Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is director Tom Day. We hear about his time starting off making videos at theme parks. All the way up to some of his more recent projects, uh, such as making documentaries in Bermuda on boxers. He's got a bottomless energy and a meticulous attention to detail. I hope you enjoy this episode of Family and Friends with director Tom Day. Tom Day, thank you so much for joining us on Family and Friends, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good, yeah. thank you. Thanks for having me. I love your beard. He's got the full Leonidas. Yeah, it's a lockdown special. Uh, <laughs> and I did even shave the whole head. I did all that. And I made banana bread, so I was a, <laughs> I was a lockdown meme, like yeah. living. Some sort of banana bread Spartan. Yeah, that was me. It's what, what brought it on, mate? Is this something from the missus or...? Well, the beard. Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't see her for like 10 weeks or whatever it was. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just myself and my mates and it, it was... I've always wanted to grow it out. I've been a bit scared of what it's going to turn out to be, but <laughs> yeah, it looks all right. It looks all right. I've got to keep it now. So. Excellent, mate. Yeah. What's been going on? When's the last time I saw you? It's been a while. Has been a while, yeah. has been a while. Obviously, we've sort of had a little hiatus, haven't we? Mm. Um, so not loads to report on the old uh, the work front, but uh, it's, I think lockdown for most people uh, from who I've spoken to, is you know, it's sort of been a blessing and a curse. There's been a lot of time to reevaluate and think mm. about life and enjoy the little things and spend time with your mates and just try and chill out. Uh, but then on the other hand, there's a, obviously that apprehension, there's the nervousness to like do something earn money again all that kind of thing so it's been an interesting period i think everyone's kind of been feeling it mate you just told me just now you've been pitching on a few things and yeah so the last sort of let's say month i guess like as we sort of you can see on instagram the world it's a bit dangerous instagram i think sometimes <laughs> when you're not working you look at instagram and you just see everybody suddenly the whole world looks like they're making things again and you're not you, you do wonder but i've started pitching on a couple of projects recently and unfortunately didn't get them um but I was up against some some big players in the game and that's just the way it is um so you know just got to keep plugging away and we go again is this the first time you've come up against sort of uh like directors like this in in a kind of um competition environment but pitching on the same jobs no I mean sort of the, for the last say 18 months since or almost two years um since working with Outsider production company um you know that's that's sort of the name of the game is every every pitch that comes through the door you're up against two other directors from two other production companies in the sort of commercial world and you know I list, of course I'm, I'm still in a way I hope still sort of young and starting out in a sense so you know my portfolio is not always as, as strong as theirs um and I'm still learning so you know I'm going to lose more than I win at mm-hmm. this stage but you know on the whole over the last 18 months has been like a really good upwards trajectory and I guess in this day and age you know you're trying to pitch on bigger and bigger jobs absolutely yeah. you're going to be up against some some people that have been there and done that and mm. it's, it's difficult but you know that's part of the game well we'll circle around uh we'll circle back around to the last 18 months uh in due course but on family and friends, we begin by sort of talking about your inroads into the industry and stuff. Um, so what's your like history in terms of getting into, you know, you're a director now, but what was your, what was your kind of paths? Getting into the industry, I, it all started at university. I was uh, at York University doing a film and television production course. And myself and some friends there, while we were there, we set up a little company while we were at York because we had the opportunity to do a couple of little promo vids for this um 
for this outdoor attraction uh, place that we were working for in the summer. Yeah. And we got really friendly with the boss and he knew we were these filmmakers and then we had these ideas to shoot him some stuff for this uh, Halloween event I had coming up. Yeah, yeah. And he sort of trusted us. So, but in order to be paid, we had to be paid into a, uh, a business bank account that we didn't know what that was at the time uh, okay but uh so anyway we set up so we had to set up a company and the university helped us actually with like a nice enterprise grant and we set up a little company there and started making promo videos on the side of our university course what kind of place was it you were making videos for it was a, like a family outdoor attraction area. Okay. Like, so you like know, like a summer, like, theme park, theme like park. sort of theme parky thing, but small scale. Yeah. And then, but and in the autumn, they did this Halloween event, like a uh, sort of Fort Park Fright Night yeah, vibes. Yeah. So we did some really cool sort of horror, little horror movie, essentially. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, but yeah, I saw that was, I guess, is the main inroads. It started with that little company that my friends and I set up. And I, I was really lucky. I had a really good team. There was like four of us. And that company, we carried on, we went sort of full time with it essentially as as we came out of university and it and we came to towards London. Obviously, then sort of clientele and uh, networking became more important, and then we sort of grew from there. And yeah, we we carried that on until for three or four years into mm. into London. And that that was you sort of always the main like road. just directing, or Pardon? we we always just directing. No, so I guess with, with that company, yeah, like, you know, I was always the director usually within the team of like three or four of us, you know, we had a, a, someone that was a producer, someone that was a editor, someone that was a, a, a cinematographer. Uh, and I guess I sort of took up the directing role, but as, as you know, Max, with, with anything, when you're setting up a little company and you're a tiny, tiny, tiny fish and no one's ever heard your name <laughs> yeah. and you're scrambling around for work, you have to do a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, absolutely. so, you know, I, I, and, and, and that was what I really, it was a really good learning curve. I thought because, and also the same at university, our course taught us to do a bit of everything. And I think that's important in this day and age. You can't just, you can't just have one skill set necessarily. You need to be able to adapt and yeah. do lots of things. So, I, you know, I was editing, I was producing in my own right. Um, I was trying to win new business. So I was having meetings with clients. You, know, wow. you played all the roles <laughs> yeah. as well as then getting on set and trying lots to make of, something. Lots of different hats. Yeah. yeah. And, but that, that was brilliant. And then we did that for about three, four years and then all... And, you know, we earned a living in London, which I'm really proud of. We, we hired a few people, but then it got to the point where we all sort of had, let's say, our own individual bigger ambitions. And our, our company, uh, as much as we were trying to run a business, we were filmmakers trying to run a business, not business people. You know what I mean? At heart. Yeah, sure. So we, we sort of all went our own freelance ways amicably. We're all still really good mates and everything. And I wouldn't change that experience for the world. But what that little company gave us all was also like our own individual portfolio. Yeah. So we built our own work from that and sort of took that onto our, each of our next stages in our careers, which were a little bit more defined in the roles that we wanted to do. Nice, mate. So what was your kind of direction? So I'm, I'm a massive sports fan, sports player, mm -hmm. and my work has always sort of gravitated towards sports work. You know, back at university, we, was make, we were making promos for the varsity events you know, and we were getting big with them and trying to make them as epic and, you know, seeing stuff on what you see on Sky Sports and yeah, you want to yeah. try and make something like that or a Nike, you know, see a Nike advert, you want to try and make that for university, whatever, you know, that's the, and I was always drawn to, you know, trying to merge the sporting passion with, with filmmaking. So, and I, during our little company, I, I managed to shoot quite a lot of boxing promos for a friend of a friend of a friend who was working in the industry. I went and just joined him one day and I had this idea for a little boxing promo not for anyone, just as a passion project. And I mm -hmm. went up to Sheffield for the afternoon and he was mates with this boxer who was at the GB camp at the time. And we just filmed it. I just filmed a little thing, made it. And then it, I put it on Instagram 
And then from there, I was really fortunate that um, Queensberry Promotions, which is like Frank Warren's company, he's yeah. like a boxing promoter in the UK, saw it and were like, hey, can you come and make some stuff for us? Really? And then suddenly we, I was making these boxing promos that were you know, trying to sell tickets for events. But it started getting me into that world, working with all these athletes. And then from that, the relationship developed into doing stuff for BT Sport because these fighters are fighting on BT Sport and the budgets got bigger. And yeah, so I sort of say the, the sort of sporting world has always been something that I'm massively interested in. And yeah, I love it really. So that sort of, that was where my direction led me. It was sort of the, the sports world. What do you think your biggest opportunity was in terms of, was it that Frank Warren, uh, that little like message that you got that day? Were you kind of surprised to receive what? that or? Biggest opportunity going, going back? Probably. Uh, back in the days. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago. Yeah, I, I guess so. Although I probably didn't know it at the time. I think yeah. it's one of the, you know, it's those, you look back at it. Um, at the time you sort of just take that and you try, oh, this is cool. Let's go and make that. And yeah, yeah I guess on the whole, because mm. two, three years ago in my portfolio, my best bits were those boxing films. Yeah. And there was, you know, the, not, the budgets weren't at all good necessarily compared to, you know, what you guys are working with or hopefully what I'm doing now. But, they were opportunity to, they sort of gave me free creative reign. I was like, they're like, here's a boxer. We need to go tell their story. Boom, here you go. Here's mm. a small amount of money. Go and make what you could. And uh, I spent so long and I think the, I'd almost say the turning point and sort of maybe the biggest opportunity was a boxer called Josh Warrington, who's from Leeds. He's sort of the, the local Leeds hero. And it was just before he was about to fight for a world title at Ellen Road, Leeds Stadium. And I had to go and tell his story. And I planned I planned it down to the ground, you know, this is me producing this, you know, and made it, made everything happen, managed to get access to Ellen Road to film there and all these amazing locations around Leeds. And we literally had 24 hours of running around Leeds with Josh, the boxer, his dad driving us around in a van and, uh, and my mate Hamish, who was a DP. And it was just us four running around the city. And, but what he gave us, Josh was, he didn't hold back at all. He was just like, your mate, he gave us his whole story and nothing was too much trouble. And that film, I think for me is, and so I put so much prep into it and how I envisaged it. And it was amazing to be able to pull it off on such a, you know, a small budget. And I think it was something that for me, I look back at that film and it still holds up to this day, even though it's quite a few years ago. Nice. So I feel like that was one of the big opportunities. And that was the film that BT saw. Uh, okay, and nice. we're like, hang on a minute. And then had a, and brought me in for a chat and we're like, hey, you know, this is, this is great. We want to make stuff like this. Can you do it for us as well? And they did, and that's sort of gone from there and the budgets have got better. Amazing. In terms of like boxers and narrative, it's, they have so much potential and, you know, you, the stories that they have and the places they train, it's such, there's such genuity. Do you think that's unique in boxing? Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I do actually. And I've done a, I've done a, you know, a fair bit of other sports stuff, a lot of football stuff, which come on to later if you want as mm-hmm. well, but yeah, it doesn't have anywhere near the rawness and the richness that the boxing industry or world has. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I, I think I've been to some of the best gym gyms in the UK, and when I say best, the best cinematic looking yeah. gym. Like yeah, they yeah. are, they are rough and ready, <laughs> and like the way that the light just comes through, you're like, oh my goodness me! You we just, just get the camera out now. Yeah. Like, like this is like an untouched gem in the back streets of Yorkshire and no one ever knew about it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like they yeah. are amazing places. And I've, so anyway, I've been really fortunate with that and the boxes themselves, you're right, you know, on the whole, and I don't, I don't want to generalize, but they are come from working class backgrounds. 
and they are just down to earth real people compared to you know some athletes that might not give you necessarily the, all that time and all all that expression these boxers they do and and the the films you make benefit from that absolutely massively so definitely been so lucky with that and as a sort of athlete myself in my own sort of amateur football way when you see these boxers train you've only got admiration for what they yeah, go through absolutely. because i have seen some of the toughest circuit sessions ever and it, it gives you huge respect for them and it makes you want to do well for them and make this film for them who do you think you've been most impressed with like athletically out of all these boxes that you've shot with I've, I've, there's been a couple of like bigger boys like Anthony Yard and Daniel Dubois sort of virgin on the heavyweight end but I'm, I'm going to go back to Josh Warrington honestly and he's known for his for his engine like he's mm. 12 rounds of relentless pressure and you see that that's built in the gym Honestly, some of that stuff is just outrageous. And he's like 57 kilograms, but he's so strong. And the way he moves and how long he can do it for, it, it's incredible. So I'm going to say Josh for that. So you've clearly got like a massive passion for that sport in particular, as well as all sport. How do you think your style has kind of evolved over the last... I mean, how, how many years have you been doing these these kind of promos now? Um, Coming up to five years I think oh, right. four or five years I yeah guess, yeah four four years four years do you think, sports stuff do you think your style has stayed the same but your execution in, in terms of like the quality of the equipment is has changed or have both evolved sure together? i guess yeah my, my main style you know it's probably what you'd call quite dynamic mm -hmm. there's quite a lot of energy in there that yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I like to create work that sort of hopefully gets the the viewer excited gets you going um there's like real purpose to it um obviously there's time where you need to you, you need to steady that and mix it up a little bit but yeah on the whole that's sort of been my my vibe i guess um and i think in a way that kind of developed from doing these promos where you don't have much money so you no. haven't got all the kit for like steady cam and track and dolly so in a way you are just a handheld camera mm-hmm and a gym. So yeah. what can you do to maximise this and make this feel as cinematic as possible? And most of the time, it's get the camera moving. You know what I mean? Like accentuate the action, enhance it. Um, so that's sort of been a style that I've had and it's quite, you know, handheld frenetic work. And I guess I have sort of taken that on uh, in, into work, in, you know, over the last couple of years as well. Um, it's sort of something that, yeah, I've definitely developed, but... At the same time, I'm also aware I don't want to be a one-trick pony and just create stuff that's frenetic yeah. and kinetic and energetic. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's something I, I think about a lot because, you know, you see a lot of work out there and I want to make sure that I'm able to, to branch out and, and hit different styles as well. One of the sections we have on uh, Family and Friends is uh, it's like your biggest clanger. So a, a shoot that's kind of gone wrong. But you've learned quite a lot from it. It's kind of got out of your control sometimes, you know, well, the majority of the time it's not actually your fault. Is there anything that kind of springs to mind? Yeah, I'd say it wasn't what you'd call my shoot. I wasn't the director on it, but it's definitely something that shaped me massively. And I still take from now. It, I, so whilst I was doing this, whilst we had our little company back in the day, so this was around sort of 2016 time um, and we were doing our little promos and stuff. I also was doing some freelance, just shooting stuff for We Are Social, mm -hmm. who uh, sort of production agency, and they did. They had they were doing this Adidas series called Game Day Plus with lots, of, uh, and it was um, going around Europe, shooting all these uh, cool challenges with you know top Adidas branded footballers, 
Um, and that was an unbelievable experience going to, you know, went to Juventus, went to Madrid, all these, and you know, seeing these top players and seeing how the director and the crew function there when you don't have much time with an athlete. Yeah. That was the biggest thing. You know, we're talking about superstars here. Oh man, it's, it's a nightmare, it? And, you know, you're waiting all day and then they come for 10 minutes and you have to get what you have to get. So seeing how the director worked under that pressure and how he operated the crew and to be part of that crew was such a good experience. But the the biggest thing that stands out from that, we were shooting in, um, in Barcelona and it was a big challenge with, I'm not going to say names, but let's just say one of the biggest players in the world. Yeah. And it, we, there was this all challenge set up and here the players entourage came over the day before the shoot, checked it all out. We had rehearsed it. They were like, they had a team of like 20 people to sign it off. And everyone was like, yeah, okay, this is good. This is good. We don't know what time he'll turn up tomorrow, but be ready. So we're there from like five. So the next day, so we're in Barcelona. The next day we're there from 5 a.m. We've got all these cameras ready. I'm talking, we've got like 10 GoPros around the place just filming. We've got four or five camera team. Like we're, everything is covered as yeah. soon as this player turns up. Because they were, the whole point was let's just shoot and get exactly what we can. Anyway, the player turns up eventually at like 11 a.m. And it's like all systems go. And he comes in and has a look at this challenge. And he looks at it, gives it one go. Mm. And then just turns to his agent and sort of shakes his head and says, and didn't say anything, just sort of walked off <laughs> as if I don't want to do this. Can't be bothered. Can't be bothered. And like he would have been, it was a difficult challenge admittedly, but he would have been able to do it. Like, yeah. trust me, like five, six goes, he would have got it because like there was presenters on it who were footballers and they did it the day before. Like it showed it could be done, Yeah, but he just couldn't be bothered. And then he just left. And so then suddenly you had this like, what do we do yeah. moment? But the way the director reacts, this is the, this is what I'm trying to get to. The way the director reacted on the spot there, he didn't phase him because he still knew he had to come back with a film and he got the, the presenters basically to like step in and like essentially rewrite the script and the intros. And they were doing all these new pieces to camera saying, this is what we're doing now. Da, 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 da. And you get to the final film mm. and you never know. And you've got still got a shot of this footballer turning up. It looks like, and they've sort of cut him in to look like he was just coming to have a little look and like yeah, cheer nice. them on. And it's just like the way he adapted on set and real, and like you have to be prepared basically for things to go wrong mm -hmm. and you just have to work with it. And that was such a massive thing for me to like take on and go, okay, it might not always go your way, but you can always get something out of it. And that was the, the lesson I learned. And similarly, I've had that where a shoot um, the end of last year we were waiting for a footballer to turn up mm. to shoot this again this little trick shot sequence he didn't turn up mm. he just didn't turn <laughs> up so we like shot around it and tried to work out a way of still and we still got a clip out of it yeah. and then two weeks later we went and did a pickup with this footballer where he we just sort of got him to do a selfie video celebration on his iPhone mm. and cut that into the sequence and we'd it just worked. Mm -hmm. So there's just ways around it. And it's like learning not to be phased because it does feel like everything's just falling apart on the spot. Yeah. Do you think sport's quite a good way of establishing yourself as a director? Because we've had a few directors in here and sometimes quite a common theme is music. Mm -hmm. uh, people find their way through music videos. Um, you know, there's a few other avenues, you know, to come into the industry and stuff. But and it's very personal to you, obviously, because you love sport. Mm. But I mean, would you recommend it for, you know, other people? Yeah, definitely. I think sport is, is just full of story and drama. Yeah, it's all there. Like, all, already. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's difficult to get the access. That's the biggest thing. And to like try and tell those stories or, or at least, you know, do them justice. Um, but 
Yeah, I definitely think so. And it's exciting. Mm. And it's it's usually pretty, what we'd call, you know, cinematic. The visuals can be pretty epic. Mm. Uh, you know, you go, like, there's so many cool locations from a basketball court to, like, we've talked about in, in a boxing gym. You know, it sort of, it lends itself to cinema, I think. And you've sort of, for every every sort of sport out there, there is probably a film that's been done, like a Hollywood film, where it's it sort of has those moments in it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where it's ice hockey or basketball, whatever it might be, you've sort of seen it in that sort of cinematic world. So I think it definitely lends itself to to getting out there and, and shooting some stuff in the sports world, yeah. So in terms of like current work and stuff, um, I saw your recent Bermuda piece uh, about the boxing. Mm. Um, very strong. Love that. Uh, talk to me about that project. I mean, okay. what was... Uh, uh, you're going to get me started now though, mate. Okay. That's fine. When, that was, okay, so the, when yeah. did you shoot that? That was a couple of years ago now. So okay. that was summer 2018. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is a huge passion project for me. So just stop me if, if I'm going on. <laughs> mate, but um, So yeah, at the end of our sort of... At the end of our company's sort of tether, when we were all deciding, like, let's go our own way, I felt like we were just... At that time, it felt like a little bit we were making what we'd call sort of corporate work, mm-hmm. which is fine. It, it was great. It was still paid the bills and had some good times doing it and some great clients and relationships. But at the same time, I felt like, hang on, I wanted to go back to like, you know, what we grew up doing as a, as a teenager, you know, just getting out with your camera and making some stuff with your mates. And I'd been really fortunate to go to Bermuda, Caribbean Island, mm-hmm. uh, the year before with Arillo Films. Okay shooting some stuff for the America's Cup, which is a sailing competition that happens every couple of years. And it was hosted in Bermuda at that time. And anyway, I was out there for 10 days, an incredible experience. And while I was there, I was like, this place is amazing. I'd love to come back and shoot something here one day because we are only sort of mainly on the water. So anyway, as it was getting to the end of our company, I I was just like, right, I do some boxing work. Let's see if Bermuda has any boxers. Yeah. And I like Googled Bermuda boxing. And there was... I saw these two young guys, these amateurs that were hoping to make it to 2020 Olympics. And um, so I emailed Bermuda Boxing Federation on Facebook and eventually they got back to me and they were like, and I was like, yo, I'd love to come out and make a film on these two guys. Just, just I'll come out. And they were like, yeah, we got no money or anything. I was like, can, and I was like, that's okay. I'll just come out. Can you find me somewhere to stay? Mm. And they put me up in on it like in a, some of their boxing president's sofa. Yeah. And so anyway, sort of as our company finished, I just was like, I need to go and do something. And I just had that urge and it just felt right. And I was like, so I, I just flew to Bermuda. I paid for my own flight, hired a camera, just an FS7, some lenses. I went to Bermuda for 10 days. I didn't know anyone there. <laughs> Stayed on this guy's sofa and got to know these two boxers called Andre and Tyler. And... I, just, I was like, I didn't know necessarily what I was going to be making while I was out there, but I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come away with some cool profile film on these two guys and highlight their their world, their their troubles, their aspirations. And that would be that. And it would just be a great experience. And it was, it was an incredible experience, like mm-hmm. filming every day for 10 days, getting to know these guys, building that relationship, that friendship and um, sweating buckets. <laughs> but it was, it was amazing. You know, you're just sort of in the zone. You're away from everything. Nothing else mattered because I was just there filming Did with you these guys just unplug from the yeah, world from yeah like, and like no one knew what i was doing and, and it was kind of cool i was just doing what i wanted to do f- for me and i felt like i was helping these guys these are it's and i as i was there the story became bigger and deeper than i ever thought ever knew 
Okay. Ever knew from that, uh, you know, newspaper article I read online. Yeah, so how did it develop? They're training for the Olympics, right? So yeah, these two guys are, Andre and Tyler, are training to try, uh, try you know, training to try and qualify for the 2020 Olympics at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really interesting is Bermuda's first and only Olympic medal came in boxing in 1976. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time they were the first ever, uh, they were the smallest country to ever win a a medal because this and this is what's amazing about this island Bermuda's only got 65,000 people it's wow. tiny yeah. 22 square miles you can literally drive from one end to the other in about half an hour but as I was there I was realizing that on the surface it's beautiful it's got turquoise water pink sand and it's you know known I guess from sort of a western perspective as maybe a bit of a tax haven mm-hmm. got all these like insurance companies out there all that kind of thing but if you scratch the surface you realize there's actually some real trouble and that's mainly in the black community and the people there growing up, the natives, and that's, you know, 70, 80% of the population. And the opportunities for them on that island aren't great. Mm. And because of that, you see, as you see in, in places across the world, there's quite a lot of gang violence where people falling into those kind of traps. There's lack of male role models and father figures in the household. And actually, you know, there's some real trouble there. And it, it surprised me. And mm. there was, there's, there's, shootings and it's like in such a tiny place yeah and one of our boxers tyler he's been to jail three times for you know various sort of like fighting and uh petty theft things like that and he's sort of fallen into that world and there's places on the island he was scared to go because he was afraid people might attack him other gangs and this is a tiny island yeah it only takes half an hour to go from one side to the other. Can you imagine and living? It's still got this level of yeah. Like, segregation. So it's sort of all these things going on, like, but it's magnified because the place is so small. And anyway, as you as we sort of talked about, anyway, like boxing is such a a way out as sport is for a lot of people, and it, it provides such an opportunity. And all there was this new generation of kids in Bermuda now coming up that were looking up to Andre and Tyler, and like Bermuda almost needed that new. That new hero, you know, like 1976 was a long time ago when they won that Olympic medal. It needed something else to like latch onto and show that there is a way out and show with a bit of discipline and submitting to authority and a focus in your life, you can do something. So the story really developed from there. And I, that I made a, a short film that was like only two minutes long and it, it didn't capture everything that I've just said there. It couldn't, yeah. you know, but I, I had it all written down and I was like, really had built this relationship. So that was that short film. I put that out on Vimeo and sent it to a couple of production companies that I was now looking and now as a sort of freelance director to, you know, to try and work with. And there's a company called Outsider who saw it and got in touch and said, yo, this is, this is cool, really cool. Come and let's have a chat. And went in and had a chat and, and sort of touch wood. You know, the rest has sort of been history with them. And we've we since, died, you know, since worked together from that. And developed me as a direct director and the commercial world but at the same time importantly this little film they saw something in it they were like this feels like a trailer for a documentary mm. yeah like yeah and so what's the story so i've told told them everything i've just told you and more <laughs> and about all these different characters and they're like okay great let's get this into a deck let's get this pitched we got it out to a few publications production come and and yeah got it out to a few publications and someone went for it because of all the themes that it captures. It's something that's really poignant and yeah. really important. And we went out f- 
three months later and shot the first block of a documentary continuing to follow the journey of Andre and Tyler Amazing. as they went on to qualify for the Olympics, uh, to try and qualify for the Olympics. And this, the documentary is still in production now. We're like two years and a bit later wow. and it's still going on. And there's been lots of twists and turns, many, many hurdles to like <laughs> try and make it happen. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And yeah, I hope one day, maybe next year at some point, ahead of 2021 Olympics, we can get it out to the world. When um, were you last there? Pardon? When were you last in Bermuda? I was last in Bermuda in February. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, quite recently then. Yeah, so we've been out a few times since um, and, you know, we're continuing the story, following it. And like, what's so amazing about it is like, these guys are like our friends now. Mm. And, you know, like, we really care. And it's not just those guys, it's everybody else involved in that community that really cares and sees sport as such a important thing and as a, and as a way out. And like we're talk, we've been, we've got unbelievable interviews with the Minister of National Security yeah. in Bermuda, who's this top <laughs> government official, passionately talking about boxing and how important it is. That's great. And it's so amazing to see all these people from the, the, across the community come together and support these two young guys who need that opportunity and hopefully can go and show and show what there is a way out and importantly put, you know, Bermuda back on the map. Hmm. So these guys are like, you're kind of watching their following kind of grow in their yeah. community. And is it just, is it, you know, the buzz must be, you know. Yeah, it really is. And I, I don't want to give too much away of like what happens because and this is one thing I've definitely learned from it is there's so, yeah, one thing I've definitely learned from it in, in documentary making, you think the story's going one way and then suddenly it goes <laughs> completely the other way. Yeah. So you set out to make what you're going to make, but, and you think, okay, this is like, all oh, we need these things to fall into place. And when they maybe don't fall into place, you feel like everything's, it's over, but actually it's not, it's, it's a documentary, it's real life. Yeah. You know, you're not writing the script here. It's, you're seeing how things unfold and you have to have patience and not something I'm great with, but I'm, I'm learning. And yeah. <laughs> we've sort of let that story play out now and unfold. And yeah, the development of, of the guys there has, has been amazing. And like, we just want to want them to do so well. Yeah. It's kind of a fine line between, especially in documentary making, because you have to let the story lead you. You can't really lead the story. I spent five years doing documentaries for Sky One and it was like, you can kind of, if you know where the narrative is going, you're kind of doing it wrong. Yeah. Because it's not your job to know where the narrative's going. It's your job to react to whatever happens to the narrative. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Yeah, but mm. it's amazing. It's yeah. so fulfilling. Oh, man. Because it's real, man. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're real people. And they're like, you, mm. we, you know, we caught up with one of the guys actually was in the UK not so long ago and we caught up with him and it's just so good to see them. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's something so great about it. And like, you're doing it for the love of it rather than anything like money or anything like that. Cause there isn't that in usually in the documentary world. And we're, it's admitted, admittedly, it's, it's a passion project still. We're, mm -hmm. we're making this sort of off our own backs, going out there and trying to tell the story. And I don't know what the payoff will be, but if we make a, make a film and people in, even knowing people in Bermuda see it, that's great because it's, it's important for them. Yeah. And it's giving a spotlight to these young guys who may not get it and show that they are doing good and this is a way that you can go and live. You don't have to do boxing, but whatever you do, try and find find that passion and dedicate yourself to it and, the, you know, hopefully show that there's there can be nothing to hold you back. Mm. 
Has it sort of sparked a bit of a passion in you for documentaries? Are you thinking about anything else? Yeah. Any really, other no, ideas? It really has. It yeah. really has. Because it's what's amazing about it compared to like some, you know, a commercial, as you know, you know, sometimes they, they can be, they can be done in a couple of weeks or something, you know, from start to, or, you know, a couple of months or something. And it's sort of, or, and it might only be a two day shoot and you're in and out and you're on, you're, more, you're thinking about what's next. Mm. Whereas with this, this has been constantly on the back, on my mind since I went to Bermuda for the first time. So that's over two years ago. And, you know, every day you're sort of, you're thinking about it in some sense and you're, you're checking in on the guys, like seeing what they're up to. And yeah, it's really given me that, that buzz because it's like, you feel really a part of something. It's mm -hmm. like a, your own family when you're doing a documentary, yeah, yeah. you know, everyone's part of it. Even the crew who, who come on, they're like so invested in it. They're not just camera or sound people. They're, That's they're, it. they're friends too. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So, it, yeah. It's so fulfilling. So yeah, it really has given me something. Amazing. To latch onto, I guess. Yeah. Nice, mate. How do you stay so like focused all the time, Tom? <laughs> I don't mean it in a nasty way, but you seem to always be on. That's an, oh, I don't know. Really? You know you, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Because me and you did that golf job. Oh yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you're up at the crack of dawn. You're going for a swim. <laughs> you're just always in the zone, it seems. Yeah, yeah. I'm is not it, sure. If it's that's... not something you do on purpose. It's just kind of the way. Yeah, I guess I like. I think I enjoy the the sort of buzz of feeling a hundred miles an hour and like always being on the move and going from one place to the next and all that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. I I perform better if I'm honest. When I'm, it's like when I, I've been editing quite a lot, you know, over lockdown to do with the Bermuda documentary, and sometimes you're just there in front of the computer all day, and actually. Mm. I'm not as productive as I should be. Whereas if you get up and go and do something or you you know what I mean? I'm a bit more bouncing around and chatting to people. You can get, you feel like you get a lot more done and your, your, my brain works better. So mm. I think it's just a case of just, I feel more alive yeah. when I'm moving and doing stuff. Yeah. And my work is hopefully better for it. Nice mate. In terms of uh, some more recent work, mm. um, your pride of London piece mm. uh, with Chelsea. Talk to me about that. That was it, another great film. That was good. That was good fun. Um, yeah, that was really cool. Uh, just for the for the people who may not have seen it yet, can you just quickly explain the concept? Okay, so the Pride of London was all about showing that Chelsea Football Club is rooted in the heart of London, and showing that London has such a multicultural aspect uh, and people living there. And the whole point in the film was to allude to you thinking you were you're seeing all these snapshots and these little postcard moments of fans from around the world, from India, from from China, from America, mm -hmm. all talking and engaging to, with Chelsea Football Club, whether they're talking about their favourite player, their favourite goal, their favourite moment. And then right at the end, you have this, and they're all speaking their own native language, which is important. So you have all these little snapshots of you going around the world, looking in on the, all these different fans, talking and hyping about Chelsea. And then at, right at the end, you have this rug pull moment where you show that actually they're all in London. And London is this diverse, multicultural city and Chelsea is rooted in the heart of it. I think the biggest thing with that was how do we try and make people believe that we are in, in different in locations around the world? Yeah, so sure. the location scout was absolutely crucial. Yeah. Because yeah, we needed to find try and find locations. You had that, like kind of American diner. You yeah. had the Indian restaurant. You had the guys uh, working in the office. They looked like they could have been in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, Shanghai yeah, yeah, vibes. Yeah. But the whole point, but. At the same time, it, it had to also feel like at the end, oh, that could actually be in London. Yeah, yeah, Do you get what I mean? So yeah. it was like trying to find- Tease it a little it, bit. Yeah, yeah, an interesting balance. So 
yeah, we spent ages scouting and working with a great um, location scout. And yeah, the, and then like the DP and the set designers, art directors really just pulled an absolute shift and bringing those plays, you know, giving it those real touches that made it feel really authentic to those to those places. Um, and then also with that, it was a good challenge with those locations. We had to find locations that some of the footballers were willing to travel to as well. Mm-hmm. So that even limited our radius even more. Yeah. And obviously they're all sort of Chelsea players, so it was more quite southwest London based. Yeah. So there's no point finding a location over in Shoreditch because no. you can't use it. So <laughs> that was a really interesting challenge. But yeah, really cool film. Again, didn't have long with each footballer. So we were there, set up, got got the actors in, got the art direction up, the lighting up, and we knew the footballer would turn up at say two o'clock. And we only had them for ten minutes and we had to shoot their scene. But they were great. And uh, I mean Willian, we well, that was probably my favourite scene is William and Willian in this uh, sort of Brazilian Rio de Janeiro barbershop was the vibe. But, and what was amazing about that was we had, uh, you know, real Brazilian actors in there. Yeah. We could all obviously all speak Portuguese and yeah, yeah, knew, yeah. loved Willian, knew he was. So as soon as he walked in, there was like music playing. <laughs> they were all like chanting. He had like, he, he sort of, hopefully it felt like he was heading home in yeah. a sense. So he had like a really good time and he stayed for like an hour no. and gave us so much. Oh man, and it's, sort of, it's like a really good scene in the film because of it. Um, so there was all about like creating that that environment and that vibe, um, and it was really fun. Yeah, I love love great shoot. Fantastic, mate. Um, obviously, like when you're shooting sport and that's your subject matter, there is a lot of motion. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of you know movement on the camera. How do you translate that into your commercial work? Because I watched your recent Honda lawnmower thing, <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, this is the most exciting lawnmower um, commercial I've ever seen. I hope so. <laughs> So how do you translate, like, how do you bring that energy to a product? Like, it's yeah, it quite that was hard? A, that's a good challenge. I mean, the Honda advert, the Honda lawnmower advert was such a cool challenge. Like, we literally set out, like you just said, to make the dopest gardening advert you've ever seen. <laughs> like, like if we, we always basically had that in the back of our minds. Like, that was, like, the motto. Yeah. Um, because they wanted to, it was about, it was all about this like gardener that never stops. You know, mm-hmm. the garden is the, it was basically just like translating what you do on football pitch or in a boxing gym into a garden. Yeah. Like the garden is the arena. The gardener is the athlete. doesn't matter if they're a middle-aged man or lady, you mm-hmm. know, that doesn't look like they've been to the gym. That doesn't matter. It's yeah. like anybody can do it. You know, like the people that love gardening are out there for hours. You know what I mean? They love it. They're out cool. there all day and they've got their own stamina. So it was just trying to bring bring that energy to it. And then obviously the product itself was this, you know, really nimble, cordless electric lawnmower mm-hmm. that, you know, whizzed around. It's pretty and, cool anyway. And it's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty dope. And honestly, I... I I uh, went home home like a month ago and, and tried to cut my mum's lawn and I, I ran over the cable on the mower. <laughs> I couldn't believe they it. They didn't give you one? No, they didn't give me oh, one. Oh, mate, on, they're like too much money. Those things. But yeah, I literally contract. had the old like, you know, orange cabled one and I literally snipped the cable <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. But I was like, yeah, maybe there is something in this. You know, you do need that shit. You can whiz around. I wasn't I wasn't as nimble as the advert suggested. Um, but yeah, that was, a great, that was a great challenge, just trying to bring that energy to it. And again, that was a lot of you know, although the budget was much bigger than some of the boxing things I've done, mm-hmm. we didn't go crazy with the toys and like, you know, cra- you know, crazy grip stuff. We, it was still quite a lot handheld because they, you know, the agency one they saw what they saw in my boxing work and wanted to sort of bring that into this yeah. this gardening film. So we still shot that in a way that we would approach like a sports film in a way, uh, with obviously a few other elements and a few more sort of humorous touches in there. Mm-hmm. 
um, just to lighten the mood a little bit. It doesn't want to be, it was sort of knowingly intense on sure. purpose. Do you go? I mean, it wasn't trying to be like too serious for the sake of it. It sort of had that like, yeah, that knowingness about it. So that, that was a really good, good project. Excellent, mate. Yeah. And we um, shot that in South Africa, which was amazing. So oh, awesome. it, was, boy, it was lovely weather. Um, Why South Africa? So we needed to try and find somewhere that had like generic gardens mm. and quite big gardens as well. And South Africa had that in Cape Town had that and um it that felt like the right place to do it because it nothing felt too specific to any any place yeah yeah, yeah. and also it had all the crew out there had the weather it was gardening needs good weather you can't you couldn't afford to do like a three-day shoot in, in england it will rain on one of those days absolutely so uh yeah cape town off, offered all of that and that, that was brilliant and that was my first experience working with a whole new crew but i didn't know anyone wow you know, it was just myself and a producer from the UK that had gone out and yeah. then the service company out there who were amazing, you know, you got really friendly with them. They looked after us and everything. But yeah, working with a whole new crew, a whole new DP, it, it was brilliant. Um, it so was, you didn't find that difficult at all? No, it was really refreshing, actually. Yeah. Really, because it, you almost sort of, they all look, you know, as as it is with with the sort of director, you, you know, I was there and I had to explain what we wanted. And it was, there was no like... It's not like working with your mate where they sort of, it's a given. They sort of <laughs> yeah, get each yeah, other. Yeah. You had to really go for it and believe in what you were saying to translate that. So they like, okay, yeah, let's, we need to believe in this guy and let's go and go and make it with him, you know? So yeah, it was a really, really cool experience. I felt like I had to step up yeah. and get out of my comfort zone. Nice. Um, so I loved it. What kind of stuff, uh, what kind of projects are you going for at the moment? Is there anything you really want to do? <sighs> <laughs> well, there are lots of things. Yeah, there, there's, there, mm, that's a really, you, what do I want to do? Or is there anything I'm going for? I mean, you literally see on Instagram every day, don't you? Some other DP or director post something. You're like, I wish I did that. That's, yeah. they, they're so good. Uh, so there's so many things out there. I, I don't know if there's anything specific um, because I don't, although I'm like, yes, I'm into sport. I don't want to like, I don't believe in saying, oh, by this time I should be doing this kind of advert no. or this kind of thing. It's, you know, I believe that hopefully if you can just, you just work hard at it and you've got the right people around you, it will, it will happen. And those things, those opportunities will present themselves. So I don't know if there's anything specific. Um, personally, right now, I just have to, you know, a long time not making anything because mm. of lockdown, et cetera. I just want to get out there and I miss that buzz. I miss being with the people and the team. So nice to just come in and speak to you today. Um, <laughs> I miss that. That's what I miss. I think a lot of people have been missing that, mate. Yeah. Because yeah. we're lucky, right? Our jobs yeah. on the whole are so, they're so the, cool, man. The social a aspect of actually being on a set. Yeah, it is. It, it does leave a massive void when yeah. you don't have it. It's what, hard, isn't it? It is really hard. And what we're so lucky is uh, there's so many, I think there's, there's so many little wins in our industry, mm. like how you, in our jobs, every, you know, you finish a down set and you just feel like, okay, you might be exhausted and whatever. It might've been the old thing gone, went wrong, but you feel like so fulfilled. Mm. That you, yeah. And you know, you've got something to show for it. And yeah. like, yeah, two months down the line, you've got a finished film and you're like, boom, that's good. Mm -hmm. like, do you know what I mean? And we're really lucky to have that. And then I was thinking with filmmaking, the biggest, the luckiest thing with, with filmmaking. And I really mean this is, and I, throughout all the years is you get to meet people you get to go and get to go to places and see industries that you, or whatever that you might norm, not normally get to see do you know what i mean you get that yeah. like real rich experience and there's not many other jobs you know if people are stuck in offices or stuck at home whatever where you get to go and do that that yeah. have that that variety the variation is key we did a we did a film three or four years ago for like for a company that made aeroplane food 
so we're on this like warehouse and the outskirts of Heathrow. I know it's, and it was, you know, whatever. You're, you're, it's, but it's like, wow, we got to, it might not be exciting to some people, but, and I'm not saying I'm overly some excited by it, but you got to go and see seen. that like yeah, big yeah. thing that you'd never get to see. Ever. Do you get what I mean? Like yeah. all those kind, as well as all the sports stadiums and whatever, like there's so many different things um, and people that are great and they want to help you and you want to help them. And it's just, it's such a fulfilling experience. Lastly, mm-hmm. what's your advice to any young directors out there? Um, might be similar to you. They may have, a, you know, a serious passion for sport, mm-hmm. looking to get into, uh, to further themselves as, as a filmmaker. What would be your sort of, uh, any, any pearls of wisdom to people out there? Yeah, my main piece of advice is to go and make stuff. Simple as that. And I know it's easier said than done. And filmmaking, you know, can be expensive and it's not like you can just magic it out of thin air and just and go and make something but on the whole if you can get people to to help you out believe in you for a relatively small amount of money you could go and you could go and make something yourself and that's and I, and when you're making something for yourself I'm, I'm talking like passion projects here. This isn't for a client. This isn't for anything specific. This is like this is a story you want to go and tell or a piece you want to go and make. Um, it's that's that's what it's all about really like, I feel like that's why you started this in the in the first place or that's why you're really interested in this and what passion projects give you is an opportunity to build your portfolio try things out make mistakes when there's no client on the line and just really get a grip of what you're about as a as a filmmaker as a director whatever it might be and learn your style I owe so many of the opportunities I've had to uh, passion projects yeah, sorry. I owe a lot of the opportunities that I've had in like the commercial world or the documentary world from passion projects, films that I've gone out with a couple of mates and made. And sometimes you like, why you sort of do question yourself, hang on, is it even worth this? Am I I'm so sorry, mate? We're going to have to get up at 4am, but we're going to go and get that sunrise <laughs> shot. And you just sort of like, is it worth it? But it is. And you have to sort of believe in that. Yeah. And I think like right now, like I say, this documentary we're making is still a passion project. There is no client right now. There is no outlet for it. We don't know, but we're, we're doing it. And I believe you've got to believe in it. Absolutely. And you can do the same with short films. You can do the same with, you know, mini profile sort of commercial vibes. Uh, so that's my main piece of advice. If you can go out there and get some people to help you build that team. I've been so fortunate to have people that uh, I'd love working with and they, they really enjoy working with me and we've built that relationship and that team. Mm-hmm. And you just can't do it alone in filmmaking. You really can't. It's such a... team sport Mm -hmm. I mean more than anything so if you can build those relationships it's only going to help you out and if you can improve your portfolio and try things out and sort of find your voice as such and your style then I think that's only going to help you in the future fantastic mate lastly do you want to quickly plug your website uh, any social (laughs) media where can people find your work goodness um my website is tomday.co.uk. Lovely. That rhymes. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, Instagram is at tomday. Wicked, um, man. Thank you for having me, Max. Mate, dude, I really look forward to uh, getting another project in the bag, actually. Yeah. If, it feels like a lifetime ago that I did anything. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You must be losing your marbles. Yeah. I'm, like you talked about, I'm a little bit 100 miles an hour, so I've had to learn to... Slow it down a Literally bit. sit down and read a book and be okay with that. Cycle, Do you get what I mean? Cycle 50 kilometers yeah, a day. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. It'll come. It just makes you, the next thing I get, it doesn't matter what it is or the next piece of work I throw myself into, I'm going to 
make it the best thing ever because he's just sort of so I feel like I'm full of it full of energy Your to brain go and do is that just ready to go yeah yeah I've just missed it amazing well mate thank you so much for coming in no worries and, that, was, uh, that was awesome <laughs> see you again soon nice thanks one. mate That is all we have time for this week on the podcast, guys. But please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at family and friends. That's F-M-L-Y and friends, all one word. For news on our new community hub. And please also check out our main page at family creative. That's on Instagram or our main website, family-creative.com. We'll catch you next time.